Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness. That, Lord, you are a God worthy of celebrating and honoring. And, Lord, I pray as we come before you, may you speak to each of us, Lord. And I believe, Lord, that you will speak what uh, each of us need to hear. And so, Lord, we give you this time. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you're a visitor here, you know, we started off this year with our theme. And the, year, the theme of this year is bearing fruit. And that we want to bear fruit of, of what God is doing in our life. That we want to see it grow. We want to see it uh, give meaning in our life. So our theme this year is bearing fruit. And we just started last week a new sermon series entitled God's Story in Our Story. We're going to, we started back from the beginning of Genesis, and we're going to go all throughout and see God, understand God, and God's story within our story as we go along. So we just started last week a sermon series, and I don't know how long we're going to be in it, right? Uh, I don't know, 10 years? No, I don't know about that long, but it's going to be a while, right? So we just started that series, and today's title, the title of today's message is God Over Creation, take a look a little bit more about Genesis chapter 1 to chapter 2 to 3. Now I found this interesting quote by Charles Dickens. It says, the whole difference between construction and creation is exactly this, that a thing constructed can only be loved after it is constructed, but a thing created is loved before it exists. That's kind of deep. Let you think about that for a little bit. You're like, well, what's the difference? I'll let you ponder that for a second. Here's some fun facts. Pulled out some fun facts about nature and uh, creation and stuff. Did you know that an owl does not have eyeballs? Anyone know that? An owl does not have eyeballs. The shape of their eyes prohibit them from moving their eyes, right? It's not a ball. It's more like a tubular thing. So they can't move their eyes. So that's why their head can turn 270 degrees. I think that's kind of interesting, right? All right, none of you are impressed with that one. Do you know sloths only poop once a week? All right. I guess that impressed some people here. They climb down their trees to poop once a week. They do it because if they go down, they're more susceptible to predators. thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I know. I don't know why I added that, that one. There's a whole bunch of different fun facts I could have used. But did you know this? Cats have over 100 vocal sounds. Cats have over 100 vocal sounds. Well, dogs have about 10. That's, this must be the reason when I was young, I used to think that cats were all female. Anyone ever think that as a kid? I am literally the only one. Okay. But that's kind of interesting. Cats have over 100 different vocal sounds. Dogs, only 10. How many of you knew this? There are more trees on earth than stars in the Milky Way. I thought that was interesting. They estimate three trillion trees on earth, 
versus 100 to 400 billion stars. I thought that was kind of interesting. It takes 243 Earth days for Venus to complete one day, one full rotation on its axis. I thought that was kind of interesting. 243 Earth days for Venus to complete one full rotation. While being the second biggest planet in our solar system, Saturn is made up mostly of gas and ice, which they say means that they could actually, Saturn, if it could be put on water, Saturn would be able to actually float on water. I thought that was kind of interesting. All right, none of you are really impressed by these facts. I thought that was interesting. It could only take one hour to drive to space going 60 miles per hour. That means it would take me about 40 minutes. I don't know who drives 60 miles per hour. Maybe I'm going to, never mind, I won't say that. I can't even get from Santa Monica to Northridge in certain times of the day in an hour. But you can drive to space going 60 miles per hour in one hour. So now I can, I can use the term when I'm stuck in traffic, I can be in space by now, you know? Because, like, you know, it takes you like 10, like 10 miles can take you an hour some places. So I thought that was kind of interesting. There's a whole bunch of little fun facts about nature and creation we could get into. But I don't know about you, but whenever I'm in creation and nature and I look out, maybe it's on the beach and I look out into the ocean or up in, up in the mountains and I can look over all of creation, whatever it may be. Whenever I'm in nature and creation, all I can think about, or one of the main things I think about is, wow, God, you're amazing. It's amazing what I'm seeing that you created all these things. I love doing, being able to do that, whether it's at the beach, in the mountains, whatever it is, sitting in creation and saying, wow, God, you are amazing. But it's interesting, you can have a, have a person look at the same things, the same setting, at the beach, in the mountains, whatever's in nature, and you can have someone look at all those things and say, wow, there must be some other explanation this all exists other than the God of the Bible. You can have another person look at the same things and be thinking, there must be some other explanation that all this happens than God. There must be some other reason. Our focus in our series I've mentioned is threefold. In our time as we start in the Old Testament, one, I want us to have a better understanding of God and his story. The second thing, that we can then better understand ourselves and our story. And then thirdly, so that we can better understand God in our story. Those are the threefold things that I, I hope that we can get as we go through this series. And wherever you find yourself in your journey in life, wherever you find yourself in your faith journey, whether you believe in God, you don't believe in God, you're uncertain, you're agnostic, you're atheist, whatever you fall in that spectrum, my hope and prayer for us is that we can better understand what the Bible is telling us about God. That we would have a better understanding of God, his story that he's trying to tell us, so that we could better understand ourselves. See, most people have it backwards. 
Most people try to find, understand themselves so they can understand God. But if you have a faulty understanding of yourself, you will have a faulty understanding of God. You follow me? So that's our purpose and what we're going through in our sermon series. And so we're going to take a closer look at Genesis chapter 1. You have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 1. This should not take you long to turn to Genesis chapter 1. And we started reading the passage last week. And the first lesson, as I mentioned, we need to learn is what Scripture tells us about God. What is Genesis 1 telling us about God? What did we learn about him? And I mentioned this last week. If you're here last week, this is a review. Four things that we see in Genesis 1. One, God is sole creator and designer. Two, that God creates with purpose and intention. Three, that God is master over creation. And then fourthly, we see that God is provider for his creation. And I mentioned last week about how this, again, distinguishes the God of the Bible from all the other religions. You go in context in the time it was written, you look at the ancient mythologies and belief systems, this is completely contrary to the beliefs in those times. And we'll see more of that as we go along. So God is sole creator and designer. We see that from the very beginning of the very first verse. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the prominent message in Genesis chapter 1. God as creator. Creation itself, nature itself, is not the center of Genesis 1. It is not the focus of Genesis 1. It's not creation. It's God. Why do I say that? In the first 34 verses that we looked at, just in Genesis 1 to chapter 2, verse 3, in those 34 verses, God is mentioned 35 times in 26 of those verses. You think, why is that significant? You can see it's making a point clear. He could have easily said, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth and not mentioned God at all. But you could tell when something is repeated, there's a focus, right? This emphasis. God is mentioned in, thir- in those 34 verses 35 times in 26 of those verses. And the Hebrew word for God is interestingly in the plural form, Elohim, but it's spoken as a singular person that they're speaking of. We'll get into that next week. But God is the focus, is the central message in the first chapter of Genesis. And we see that God is the source of action in these verses. right? In those passages that we looked at, uh, in Hebrew there's two words for creation or to make that is being used. Bara and Asad. Now, if you've been with me, you realize, you probably have learned, picked up by now, I'm not great at languages. I'm really bad at pronunciation, right? I, I, I'm not good at pronouncing English words, let alone Greek words and Hebrew words. So pardon my enunciation. I just kind of get intimidated by language, you know? Even like when I go to like a Mexican food place, 
Mexican is one of my favorite foods. And one of my favorite things to order is a pastor, tacos or burritos or anything like that, or carne asada, stuff like that. And, you know, when I, this is a side note, this is not even sermon related, but. But when I go, it's like, I want to be able to say it in a Spanish accent, right? Because, you know, I want to be polite and all. But then just when I'm about to say it, I get a little intimidated. I'm like, and I end up saying it like pastor, like, like, like a, you know, I don't say pastor, but, or, you know, or, you know, it just doesn't sound right, and I get embarrassed, and so then I just, you know, like, sound like I don't want to do So, there's, trust me when I say, there's two different Hebrew words used in this passage, God creating. Bara, usually when that's, that word is used, it's referencing that God is the source of the creator. He is the subject of the creation, or right? he's the doer of that action. But there's two different words that's used, that God is the source of action. There's a point being made. There's no mistaking that God is the creator. There's no warring gods, right? And you look at ancient mythologies, things that are created is because these gods are warring against each other. Gods aren't giving birth to things of creation. There's no random cosmic chaos going on. A very profound message is being sent. The other thing we see about this is that God speaks and there is action. Notice that formula. God speaks and there's action. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. In day two, then God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let us separate the waters from the waters. And then what? God made the expanse separated the waters, and it goes on later, says, and it was so. Day three, then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear, and what? It was so. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind, and what? And it was so. Day four, we see in verse 14, then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give lights on the earth. And what? And it was so. Day five, Then God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. And God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind. And what? And God saw that it was good. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind and it was so then God said let us make man in our image according to our likeness that's interesting we'll get to that in a second or next week about why he says our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky over the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth We'll get into God's actions in day six in a second. But we see that form that's making it clear that's repeated. God speaks, and then there's action in his creative process. Here's another interesting 
we see in Genesis that God names. He names the light day in verse 5. He names the darkness night. He names the expanse heaven. He names the dry land earth. He names the waters seas. And you think, why is that significant? Um, you are parents here. All right, you don't want to raise your hand. How many parents are here? Okay. How many of you, you gave the names of your children? All right, so most people, right? Usually that's the case. Typically, parents give the names of their kids. They name their kids, right? It's a very kind of a very personal thing. I remember when, you know, each, each baby, you know, we were about to have and sitting down and thinking of the different names that we were going to name it and the spelling. And I remember, you know, our, our first daughter, Caitlin, and we're like, oh, we like that name. But we don't want it just like any other Caitlin because it was, you know, kind of popular name back then. So we made it, tried to make it as unique as possible. So it's spelled K-A-E-T-L-Y-N, right? And so now she can't ever find any mug, any name plaque, anything that has her name because no one spells it like that, you know, or hardly ever. But there's something personal for the parent to name their child because that name gives the child identity. It also shows a sense of authority the parent has to their offspring, their child. This is your identity. This is who you are. Now, if you have an unfortunate first name, I apologize on, for the sake of your parents. I had no control over that, right? But it's something interesting and unique that God is the one who names these things. He gave name to these things in creation. And that's interesting because you look at all the mythologies and the time and the belief system of the time, each of these things of nature is named after a god or there's a god named over those particular things, the sun god, the moon god, the god of the waters, the god of this, you know, all those planets. But here Genesis is making a very profound point. God is the one who gave name to these things. And it's interesting, it's undeniable thing throughout Scripture, the power of God's spoken word. God spoke and it became. He uses language. You look throughout Scripture, God is speaking to his people all throughout Scripture. We see God speaks to each individual. We'll see that throughout our story. So language and the spoken word was a powerful symbolism and effect of who God is, his communication to his people, even our very DNA, right? What is DNA? It's a code. It's a language. So at the very core essence of who we are is a language. So it's amazing this, this pattern and this influence of God's spoken word. And we know, of course, in John's gospel, it begins what? In the beginning was what? The word. The word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So God is not just a creator. He's not a creator of chaos. Nor is he a distant God. A lot of people, we saw in the stats last week, People may believe in God, but they don't believe that God intervenes on people's behalf. But we see here, God creates with purpose and intention. Notice this in day one. 
The first three days of creation correlates with the next three days of creation. Day one, God declared light, right? And he separated light from darkness. In day two, God declared an expanse. And he separated the waters, so he creates the atmospheres, right? In day three, God declared gathering of waters and land to appear. So he separates the waters from the land. Right? That's the first three days. What happens the next three days? God declares the luminaries, the sun, the moon, and the stars, the planets. And he separates the day and the night. And that they could be signs and seasons and days and years and give light to the earth. In day five, God declared the sea creatures and all the flying creatures to fill the waters and to fill the skies. And then day six, God declared the land creatures and then he created humans. You see the pattern, the intention that is laid out for us. God laid out the environment. He laid out the scenario and then he filled his environment. The luminaries he placed to govern the day and the night. The marine life and the birds to fill the oceans and the skies. The land creatures created and humans to rule over all living creation. So we see that God created intelligently and with purpose and intent. And it's interesting how he created to perpetuate life, right? Of all the plants we know of, now I didn't plan this, right? This, these aren't supposed to be the planets, right? This is not themed uh, up ahead. The school had a decoration, but it's kind of like planets, right? But of all the planets we know of, only Earth can sustain life as we know it. It's interesting how God created. We see that God is master over creation. Now, this may not be significant to us that God is master over creation. But again, I bring us back to the time, the ancient time and ancient beliefs, where it's these gods that are assigned or that they govern these natural bodies of what is water or skies and all those things. And Genesis saying, God, the Hebrew God, the God of the Bible, is master over his creation. It's not about the warring gods. So here comes Genesis, the God of the Hebrews, and there's no origin story about the God of the Bible. Genesis doesn't start about how God of the Bible was created or made. It just starts with saying, in the beginning, it was God. And he created all these things. He created by his spoken word. He created by his creative design. We see that God separates the waters. He separates the land from the waters. He assigns and he points the stars to line up for for signs and for seasons and for days to separate day and night. They don't represent God's but they represent the brilliance of the Almighty God. Genesis 1 is making a profound statement about the God of the Bible. And the fact that God is master over creation speaks to the profundity of Jesus' ministry. You think about profundity, Mike? When did you ever use the word profundity? Try it. You sound smarter when you use the word profundity. 
Right? It's one of those words you probably don't use, but it's a profound statement that we look at Jesus' ministry. We go back in the book of Mark, what we looked at. Look at what Jesus did. Jesus walked on water. He silenced the storms with his words. He multiplied food. He healed the sick on his command. With his spoken word, he casted out demons. What's so profound about Jesus, the portrayal of Jesus, the gospel writers are declaring, look, the master, the God who had master over creation, Jesus has master, is master over creation. Very profound statement, understanding about who God is. So God is master of creation, but again, also, God is provider for his creation. He's provider. God is master over creation, but from the very beginning, he creates an environment for all of his creation to thrive. Provided plants and trees as a means of nourishment. From the waters to the land to the vegetation, even to the atmosphere, even to space. He created this viable environment so that we can live. So we can perpetuate life. That's how God created. That was his intention. And at the peak of his creation is what? People. At the peak of God's creation was man and woman. If we want to be technical, right? The peak of God's creation, he saved the best for last. He created woman. Right? And I think that's very profound. Now, I, I wish I timed this to have a good Mother's Day message so all you women can feel like, like encouraged and stuff, but, you know, timing doesn't always lend itself to that. But here's my little, little slant, right? God did indeed, I, in my opinion, save the best for last. He saved woman for last. And when we get to that message, we'll see that even in that, how God showed that he is provider. He provided for man. We'll get to that maybe in a few weeks. How many of you here are sci-fi fans? Sci-fi fans, Star Trek, Star Wars? No, not many of you. Okay. Star Wars, can you imagine? You know, it's fun to imagine galaxies far, far and away, right? I like imagining those things. That's why I got into Star Wars. It makes you kind of think of something imaginary, galaxies far far away. I find it interesting that, you know, a certain wealthy individual is obsessed with colonizing Mars, right? It's kind of an interesting concept and idea. A lot of money is going into the possibilities of inhabiting Mars, right? And I got to admit, as a sci fan, it's very intriguing. It's a very interesting idea of being able to live on another planet, how many of you would want to move to another planet? Not many of you? I don't know if he thought of that. Maybe he did. But like how many would actually want to live on another planet? It's an interesting concept. But I don't think I would want to do that, right? But it's interesting, this obsession of wanting to make a man-made planet inhabitable, right? You know, man can create this habitable environment. 
As interesting as that is, at the same time, I was thinking, isn't this like peak human pride? This is like human pride at its peak. To take an uninhabitable planet and say, you know what? We can make it work. We can make it livable. I think about it, it's like we, God created this perfect planet, perfect environment, that we have everything we need to thrive. And yet we say, you know what? But I'm looking at the planet way out there. What about that planet? That is so peak human pride because we take for granted what God has provided for us. And then we resent what God has not given us. And then we want to take matters in our own hands and think that we can make it better for us. Isn't that true in every different areas in our life? We take for granted what God has given us. And instead of being able to take care of what God has given us, we're like, well, let's just find different alternatives. We can do something else, something different. Now, I'm not the most greenest person, okay? So I'm not like the, the total environmentalist. But I'm saying that God gave us something to take care of, and yet we're like, hmm, that looks kind of more interesting. Peak human pride. Now, if it happens, I don't know what to make of that. Good on you. Tell me how it is. I'll, I'll wait another 50 years. Well, I won't be alive 50 years, but I'll, I'll wait and see, you know, how, how that goes. If you, th- you, you sit there and you're thinking, well, you know, Pastor Mike, all right, Genesis 1, I hear what you're saying, but is it really a viable belief? Can we really take Genesis 1 literally? What about the science? Can we really trust the Bible? We'll get to that in a second. But what you know and what we understand about creation, when you create something, right, when we all create something, we create with imagination, Right? We create with intelligence and intention. How many of you are artists here of any kind? You're an artist here. Music, artwork, dance, anything? Minecraft? Okay, I don't know. Or if you're a creator of anything, you like to make something. Imagine when you made something, you made a masterpiece. This was your best work of art. The song that you made was just brilliant. The artwork was just impeccable. Storytelling, you're a writer, and it's just like, like a Pulitzer Prize winning book or whatever it is. Imagine you made a masterpiece and you showed it to somebody, and they said, wow, this is a masterpiece. It's amazing. The hook the sounds, the look, everything, it's perfect. You are so lucky. Can you imagine if that was your response? What a random thing that just happened. You'd be like, wait, what? And you said, you know what? I bet you can't do it again. And you do do it again. You make another masterpiece. Maybe even looks even better, sounds even better. And they look and they hear or they watch or listen, whatever, and say, wow, that's amazing. You're so lucky. That got together. I bet you can't do it again. You would be so offended. If something you did that you thought of, that you created, and you made it materialize into something beautiful, 
And someone says, you know what? It's luck. Random. Wasn't even meant to happen. I don't even know how you did it. We don't think that way. Because we know when something is created with intelligence and purpose and meaning, all we can look and say is, wow, who created that? Who thought of that? Who would even think of aligning all the stars and planets so perfectly to create a galaxy that functions? Our human body is amazing. We're just starting in this series. But if you're, you're, you're sitting here today, and again, as I mentioned, I don't know where you are in your life journey or let alone in your faith journey. And if you find yourself, you're currently wrestling with believing in God for whatever reason. Usually, when people question belief in God, it's because something happened. Tragedy, trauma, things in their life. They have questions they can't answer, and so they question the belief in God. Wherever you find yourself in that, I invite you to start with the basics. The basics of can I believe in God? If you don't, you're not there yet to say you're a Christian, you're not sure about believing in the resurrection, believing in Jesus, I understand, I get it. Let's go from the beginning. Can you believe in God? Because like me, and I look out at creation, I say, man, this cannot happen unless there's intelligence behind it. Creativity, purpose. And my prayer, my hope is as we go through this series, my hope is this, is that you can proclaim these things for yourself. That God is my creator and designer. That you can say, God created me with purpose and intention. That you'll be able to say, God is master over me. And that you can say, God is my provider. That's my hope as we go through this. You have an understanding of what the Bible is saying, who God is. And you can say, wow, I want that God. I understand that God is my creator. He created me with purpose and intention. He is master over me because he is my provider. I started off this message with this quote, that a thing constructed can only be loved after it is constructed. But a thing created is loved before it exists. That's pretty profound. I like John's version a little bit better. More simply put, we love because he first loved us. He loved because he first loved us. I love that God loved his creation and it began and he made it. Next few weeks, we'll look at a little more about us, our creation. As I mentioned, we're going to tackle a lot of different issues, a lot of different things in the next few weeks. We'll look at next week the beginning of the pinnacle of God's creation as he created us and what that means that he created us in his image.
Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you that you are an imaginative, creative, intelligent designer. That you created space, our atmosphere, the seas, the land, the vegetation, the animals, with such creativity and purpose and intention. And that, Lord, you created us. And, Lord, wherever people are at right now in their life, in their life journey, in their faith journey, Lord, there may be some people who are wrestling with their faith. They're wrestling how to reconcile science, how to reconcile the way things are in this world. They're trying to reconcile how things happen in their life with faith in God. May you guide us in that journey of discovery, of peace. And then may we settle on knowing that you are our creator, you are our provider, and Jesus, you are our savior. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship together.